Hebrews 12.1 says we are surrounded by witnesses and that we should cast off sin and obstacles that keep us from God. We are to run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is Cross Training. Building your faith to not only carry the cross of Christ, but to get up when you fall and run toward the finish line. Faith-filled business leaders and individuals share their testimony to inspire your journey. Now here's your host for Cross Training, David Anderson. Well, good morning and welcome to Cross Training on Catholic Community Media. Always, if you get an opportunity to participate in the fundraising of Catholic Community Media, it is much, much appreciated. It is a station that spreads the Word of God all through donations. So if you ever get a chance to help out, go to the website and help participate. This morning, we have an interesting character of New Orleans in a good way. Hails from Rummel, played football at Rummel, played football at LSU. Mr. Greg Raymond. Thank you so much, David. You've been in the uh, diamond and jewelry business most of your life. Yes, sir. Uh, you had a good Catholic upbringing. Where did you go before Rommel? St. Clement of Rome. All right. Yeah, a good was... friend of mine is now the pastor out there. Oh, the Joe Craft? Yeah. That's like my brother. Uh, he, he, is, he and I are very close. Uh, me as well. That's funny we have that. He, I I'll have to he share that with him. a lot of people. He's an awesome individual. He took me... Uh, on my spiritual path, really, really deep. Uh, he shepherded me through uh, the annulment process. Awesome. And uh, it was labor-intensive, thought-provoking, and uh, really cathartic. It was a great experience that I had he's, with He's him. a wonderful priest. And we've been close uh, since then. I was part of his men's group over at, at the seminary, uh, shoot, like 10 years or so. Um, and still that group is The Friday tight. morning group? Yeah. Yeah, I was a member of that for years and years when we first started. Then I had a dropout. I loved it. It was, it was good. good. It was good. Matter of fact, we have a new group. We all kind of said, let's go start groups since he got transferred. And I'm over at Holy Name, and they already have a 6 o'clock group. So it's great. I'm just able to come in and join a group that's functioning. and That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's exciting. Although we don't have breakfast. Uh, and that was a great part. You know, they eat breakfast with the seminary. Yes. That was awesome. So um, give us a little background about uh, playing football at Rommel. Um, did you all ever get a chance to beat De La Salle, or did we beat you all every time you played? <laughs> we, beat, uh, we beat De La Salle every time we played, y'all, uh, in my time. Wait, wait, wait. Did in you just, time. like, repeat what I said and it bounces <laughs> off of me, sticks to you? Uh, <laughs> no, it was a, it was a Catholic, the Catholic League back then was incredible. It really was. There was no easy game. I think it still is. I think it is. No, but back then, I think it was at its. For me, it was at its pinnacle. You know, not to. Oh, not, you were playing. Not just for that reason, but just the um, the. I'd say just the, the genuineness of football. You know, just the quality of uh, the Catholic League and what it brought to the table. Um, it's still great. Don't get me wrong. I think the Catholic League is phenomenal. But back then, there was so many rivalries, and, but, but good rivalries and traditions, you know? It is active and alive today as it was then. I go to the games because well, my daughter's in high school. I'm glad to hear that. And we've had some nephews play ball for Jesuit and uh, Catholic High up in Baton Rouge. Yes. And, and I'm going to tell you, the rivalries are just as strong, just as deep. Uh, the other night, Jesuit St. Aug was a classic. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's it always, was just classic. It, it, was at the, it was at the new stadium, uh, the Shrine on Airline. There you uh, go. Yeah, it was really nice to go see a game there. Yeah, first, time cool. I've, awesome. first time I'd seen a football yeah. game there. So what was it like playing? What position did you I was play? I was under Don Perrette, and that was a big part of my faith formation, believe it or not. He was a man that really taught us the how to integrate your faith with sports. In wow. prayer, nice. he, he taught us a prayer, O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in you, though I fear all things from my weakness, I hope all things in your goodness. We had it in our helmet, and we had to say it every day at practice. Uh, so he, he was the one that introduced me to a devotion to the sacred heart, which I still have today. It was awesome. Rumble, uh, we were called the super ants, as you probably remember that. Yes. Uh, I was there from 75 to, really playing from 75 to 78, and um it was a it was a phenomenal experience of growth and had some great head coaches. I mean, uh, excuse me, assistant coaches there in that time. 
but um, great players. And, you know, just like anything else, you, you, yeah, that bond is a bond that's for life. You know, your brother's in battle, you know. And uh, I pick up a phone, I call the guys I played with, and we pick right back up where we were, you know. And what position? You were wide I played, receiver? I, yeah. <laughs> I wish. Uh, I played anywhere on the offense and defensive line. That's how we, I went both ways. So I played from tackle to tackle on both sides. They, wherever they, wherever they, like the coach used to say, wherever the big guy was, they'd put me. And how did y'all do that your last season? We did, did well. Have any we championships? did well. We never went. Yeah, we went. We went to state. My fresh, my sophomore year, we went to state and uh, didn't didn't win. Uh, then we went to the semifinals, the quarterfinals. After that, but after that, it was we never did get to win state in my time. We just went to the playoffs. And then you went to LSU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was under Charlie McClendon for two oh, years. Yeah. And Jerry Stovall for two years. Two big names. Yeah, good good guys, good guys. I played again the same thing. I played I played ball with some guys from all over the country, and it was really a learning experience where you get so many different cultures, you know. Mm-hmm. And and um, and have to. And back them. then, you had an athletic dorm where you could actually live together in athletic dorm, which was a wild experience. But but um, it was a it was a phenomenal experience. I mean, I always say it's the only time in your life you'd be treated like a rock star, uh-huh. you know. And and. Uh, and really, you know, my, my wife and I, when we were dating then, go to a restaurant and they would never let you pay. And I, I would never yeah. wanted to, go, you know, get free dinner because I, I think they wouldn't. It was kind of obvious. Here I am, you know, 6'2", 285 back then. And it kind of stick out like a sore thumb. But I would always say, how did they know I played ball? And they would they'd say, your money's no good here. You're a tiger, you know. <laughs> nice. It was a great experience, though, brother. I've never had somebody do that. Your money's <laughs> no good here. <laughs> you know. That's awesome. I, I, that rock star feeling. I tell people when you ride on a float in Mardi Gras, that's the closest most of us will ever get to that feeling of being a rock star. That's a good analogy. And though. you have it like for three seconds with yeah. with about 150, 200 different people that night. It's true. And you come off like you came like you were you two on the stage or something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so when you were at LSU, I think you had mentioned something early in our conversation that. Uh, you started going to church, or someone brought you to the Catholic chapel. Okay, so what happened was I was a Catholic. I was a dedicated Catholic. One thing my mom and dad said these rules. They said when you go to LSU to play football, that's great, son. It's great that your school's paid for. But there's certain rules you cannot break. You have to study first before you do anything else, and get a degree. But most importantly, you have to make sure you go to mass every Sunday. That's not that's not negotiable. I was like, okay, so I, I did. But you know, being a freshman. A sophomore, even through my freshman and sophomore year, I was redshirted as a freshman. The first year, the NCA allowed freshmen to be redshirted, so they redshirted the whole class, which was dangerous. And and then the second year, I had been in, involved in a party life, you know, and um, it was really getting out of hand. I was really going excessive with it. And and um, this priest at Christ the King Church on campus hit me with a brochure in the chest right as I was walking out of mass. He says, "Hey, big guy, you need to come to this." It's a day of reflection. I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah. I said, okay. So I took the brochure home, put it on my desk. I thought, nah, I'm going to throw that away. Yeah, I'm not going to go to that. It's a nine to three. And I tried to throw that thing away, I don't know how many times during the week. Couldn't throw it away. I just couldn't throw it away. And so finally that next weekend, that's, it was a Saturday, I said, you know, man, it's a free lunch. Why not, you know? So I go. And uh, it changed my life, David. I mean, when I tell you it changed my life, what it was is God took me out of that rat race, out of that roller coaster for a second, for a few hours. And then this priest, he said something I'll never forget to this day. I say it every time I give a retreat. I say this story. I said, he said, if your life was a movie, could you show it to your mom and dad? And I I thought to myself, no way, no way. And then what he did was he held up a mirror. That's a horrible thought. That's, that's you're it's right. Just, that's a, but, you know, that's it's, a it's, stopper. But, but, but it's it's just exactly that's exactly what it, it was a shot. It was a stopper, and it, it jolted me because I thought to myself, man, where am I headed? You know, if, if I can't live like this, and I love my mom and dad. You know, I mean, I I I, I, I was so blessed to have both my parents for ninety seven years, and that back then it was like I was the youngest of five kids, and I just adored them. You know, so I didn't want to let them down, but I also didn't want them to know who I really was. So why the only thing you can do is make a change, right? So the priest held up a mirror of Greg Raymond, and I had to take stock of myself where I was at that stage in my life. During the uh, Saturday session, he put a mirror to No, he, he spiritually did. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. You know, he spiritually made me see myself. Yes, yes, yes. Stop yes. the roller coaster, 
get off your ego and pride of playing ball for LSU, being all that big man on campus, and all of a sudden realize that in God's eyes, you're not that great. You're messing up, Greg Raymond, you know? So I, uh, I made changes and uh, took stock of my life and said, I'm going to make a commitment. And I never forget, I started to read the Bible. I started to pray the rosary every day. I started to go to Mass a lot more. And, and so in the course of that summer, when I went back, the guys expected to be the old, old Greg Raymond. And I was the party guy. I was the guy who knew all the places that gave free You're drinks. From New Orleans. Right. You had a reputation of You know, home. exactly. And I had a, a mouth back then that was dirtier than the gutters of Bourbon Street, as I say. And, and then all of a sudden, I wasn't cursing anymore. I wasn't. And they wanted me to go tell them where the party spots were and where we drink free and all that. And I said, no, no. I'm not doing that anymore. Well, they had a fit, and they, they turned on me. Eventually, when they realized I was serious, th- first they thought I was pranking them, but then when they realized I was serious, they started calling me a, a variety of names, and, you know, God Squad, Pope Gregory, Jesus Freak, you know, all that kind of stuff. Thank you. Thank you. And they were extremely angry. Again, this is David Anderson, uh, host of Cross Training, brought to you by... Catholic Community Media, an affiliate of EWTN. Uh, thank you. Let's get right back to okay. So you're in the dorm. They're so, calling you Pope Gregory. Oh, man, you say thank you. Were, uh, every night at 10 o'clock, they'd come in drunk, and they'd beat on my door. Oh, uh, just a, What are you doing, Greg Raymond? Get over here. You know, and, and I would just hold my ground. So I finally went back and talked to the priest about it because it was really getting tough. And he shared a scripture with me in Matthew 5 where it says in the Beatitudes where Jesus says, Blessed are those who persecute you in my name, for your reward in heaven will be great. And I remember it just resonated with me. And he said, you hold your ground, Greg Raymond. He said, don't you dare crawfish, because if you do, they'll take you back and you'll be popular again. But they'll never truly respect you again. He said, if you hold your ground, one by one, those men will come back and ask you, what happened? Because now they know it's genuine. Now they know it's true, because you stayed the course. So I did. I took his advice, and it was not easy. And um, But sure enough, one by one, every one of those guys knocked on my door at night and come back and said, man, I'm sorry, man, I'm sorry I treated you this way. What was it about? What happened? You know, not share my story. And, um, you know, it, it's not like I'm some holy guy. It's just that was, a, that was one of those moments, as you said, where it stops you, and you really take stock of your life. Did I crawfish back in the end of my life? Sure, I had my little moment. But that felt like that was a major stone of foundation of faith that I was no longer going to go past a certain point anymore. I, was, I had a, a different benchmark, a spiritual benchmark that I was set, that God gave me in those few hours at that little small retreat that I held on to. Wow, that brochure. Yeah. That, that priest kind of just bucking up to you being a big guy like that. And he was a little bitty dude. <laughs> of course. And, and, and then... And then those those words of wisdom that you went and saw it, same guy, same mm-hmm. priest. Oh yeah, uh, as a spiritual advisor mm-hmm. is really what the relationship sounds like. It started to develop, which is so important for us to have, because you think you can handle all of that stuff yourself. You got to have somebody else. It's critical to throw it it's out critical. to to get their perspective. Because exactly. we don't have a hundred percent perspective, uh, and the spiritual advisor can. Boy, what a, what great words of wisdom that was for you! Oh, it's incredible. Hold it was your incredible. ground. Life changing. Hold your ground. They'll come back one by one. One by one. And they did. And they did. At which yes, did. impacted their life because you can't go on, you know, like crazy fool going to the crazy horse for a quarter beer night yeah. every night. Yeah. I mean, that's that horse only rides so long. That's true. It? But our horse uh, rides forever. That's true. Into eternity. Amen. Uh, Amen. So you had a quite a fun uh, high school, college life. I did. Uh, growing up, being all-star, I guess you were a city all-star, uh, Rommel, go to LSU. I mean, there are not many people in our community that do that. You have a couple, uh, but not very many. Yeah, I was blessed. Two or three uh, every couple years at best. Uh, you know, you get some of the Leonard Fournoy's, yourself. Uh, did you ever want to go play in the NFL? I had I had an opportunity my last year, but um, Dallas and Dallas and uh, Atlanta came to test us at LSU. And there's a funny story, real quick. Um, they they did they put us through all these strength and physical and, and speed agility drills and everything. And Dallas 
comes up at the end of the meeting. He says, well, I want to introduce the fastest guy on the team. And you got to understand, at this time, we had people like, you know, Tracy Porter. And, I mean, they had some guys that were just 4-2 on grass, you know. And uh, they says, Greg Raymond. <laughs> all, all the teammates, all the fast guys are like, what? He says, for the first 10 yards. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my well, as a lineman, that's but, the most important. No, that, that's what he said. He said, that's exactly what you should do. You yeah. should reach your top speed quick and let's go, you know. But uh, so Dallas and, and Atlanta said, we ran, back then LSU ran a very similar offense to them. They had a lot of bootlegs, a lot of sweeps, a lot of veer, all that. And I was right guard at LSU, and I did a lot of pulling. And so they liked that, and they liked my speed. So they said, if you keep healthy, we're going to offer you a contract. And I said, okay. And then the next year, I got whacked in the knee again. No way. And it was over. Yeah, the career was over. And I got total reconstruction. I mean, every ligament was torn except the posterior cruciate. So, but I mean, you know, again, God showed me that his way is not always my way. In the world's eye, I, that, that could have been a disaster. But in, in God's eyes, he might have protected me from something that could have happened on that next step, you know, because I get full of myself and I could have, you know, struggled. So, or you may not have had Sarah or Greg Jr. There you go. That's true. What's more important than that? Nothing. Believe me. So I, I, I never was bitter about it. I just took it as, hey, it wasn't God's will, and I just moved on, you know. And what you did have was super. And oh, I have a blessed life, man. I'm very fortunate, man. I mean, look, we all have our struggles in life. We can all compare notes. But for the bit, when you look at it as a big picture, especially when you get to this stage of life where I'm at now, um, you look over your shoulder and you're like, man, I have been supremely blessed. You know, when you look at some of the, some of the things that some of the crosses other people had to carry, you know, um, and it carried them valiantly, but I, I, I've been blessed. Really have been. We had talked about that story on the phone and, um, when you said you made your turnaround in college, I didn't expect it to be at that level like that, where you had the pressure of the other guys coming. Yeah. The peer pressure. Yeah. Were you tempted at all to say, oh, yes, Rob, I'm going it would have been so easy. to the boot with you? Yeah, it would have been so easy. You or, know? or were you already resolved, nah, I'm not really into that. No, I, I mean, I, it, you got to understand, when you play football with somebody, this is not a normal friendship. This is a brotherhood. You go to war every day at practice, preparation for the next week's game. You go to classes together. I mean, you live in a dorm. You eat together. You sleep, you know, in the same areas, you know. It's it's a brotherhood. So when you – it's really family. It's, a, it's another I'll extended it family, is. right? So when you are rejected by your own family, it is brutal. So it would have been so easy. There was many times I lay in bed like, man, and, I'm, and they're outside my door drunk calling me names and – or, or before going out, getting ready to go out, come on, you got to come with us, man. Open the door. Come on. You know, just this one time. We won't make you drink. We won't make you do anything, that kind of thing, you know. And and to, to say I didn't I didn't have temptation, I, I'd be lying to you, you know. So I was. it would have been so easy to say, ah, what the heck. What's it going to hurt, you know. But it would hurt a lot of what I was trying to stand for. And so um, – you know, it worked out. It worked out to be a. You know, these guys. They used to call me Chris Man because it was like Christian Man. You know, they call. They said he called Chris Man. To this day, I have some ex teammates come. What's up, Chris Man? You know, which I take as a compliment. <laughs> you better you believe know? it. So I take it as a compliment. Wow, that's awesome. That's an awesome story. When did you meet your wife? High school sweethearts, brother. Yeah. Oh, so I, she was a, that's on a, with you for this whole oh, ride at yes, LSU. Yes. Yes. I mean, I met her through the Blessed Mother. I had been dating some people and i had i was so aggravated i was like man i told mama mary i said mama i picked up a rosary sat inside of my bed i had just broken up with my last girlfriend you're at rommel i'm at rommel and i said mama i said i just want a woman that if i treat nice she'll treat me nice if i treat her bad she'll treat me bad you know and uh, i was so frustrated so i said next woman i meet i want you to pick her and i want you to pick her to be my wife so i this is david anderson host of cross training and uh we're here with the most interesting, I uh, almost want to say most reverend, but I don't think I can lay that title on you <laughs> no, yet. I'll just go Chris, Chris Man. Uh, Chris. Greg, Chris Man Raymond, and that's short for Christ Man. Uh, he wears it well. You meet your wife. So, so yeah, I just prayed the rosary for, for Mama to pick her up, pick, pick my next wife, uh, next woman to be my wife, and sure enough, here comes Charlene. And, and um, we met, and it was just amazing. I mean, um, I have been... I have been so blessed. She was Catholic, also. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was. Uh, She's a single, uh, you know, only child to a single parent, and uh, her mom and dad had divorced when she was two years old. 
and she really gravitated toward my family because we had, you know, we, we were like just big family. Just everything is just family, family. And she was so attracted to that. Oh, you know? I bet. And uh, when we, my mother didn't know how to cook small. And so, you know, it was, everything was a feast, you know, every time. And, and uh, so well, she you got was, your share of the food. Oh, yeah. Everybody said that came up in the good years, they said. <laughs> but, um, but no, so we just, we hit it off. I mean, David, it was, it was unbelievable, the, the chemistry, instant chemistry. And, um, and I was a year ahead of her. So when I went to LSU my freshman year, she was still at, at, at Chappelle. It was one of those disgusting, syrupy stories. You know, I'm captain of the football team. She's head of the Chapelettes. You know, it's like, come on, man. You know, but it really was uh, a blessing. I mean, we we really we really had a beautiful life together. Wasn't there some big pop band that played over at uh, at Chappelle during those years, uh, like Holland Oates? They had some big yeah, fundraiser. I can't remember, they, but they, they, had, they always had something going and on. And it was, like, yeah. big, like some big name. Yeah. I don't remember. My wife would probably remember we that. We went to it. Being, it was, but yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you're, you're right the same same age as me. So so um, we probably they probably had. I just don't remember. But, but you know, yeah, they always is, had something. That is a Lifetime movie type of thing on the on the Christian channel. Y'all <laughs> uh, <laughs> meet and going out. So, and, yeah, no, it was great. And um, and then we uh, we got married. And uh, she was became a school teacher, and I was a, a jeweler. And then we had two kids, and you know, just how did you get into the jewelry business? Born in it, basically. Your you dad know? was uh, in yeah. It? I mean, my dad started it when he got out of World War II. He went into the jewelry industry, and in 1965, he started his own business. And so, the way I used to make in downtown money, on Canal, yeah, on Canal and the Maison. Now the Ritz Carlton. It used to be the Maison Blanche. Yes. It, was, it was on the 12th floor, and. Uh, he, uh, it was funny because in 1982, when I graduated in, in business, with a degree in business, um, I came home to work in the business. You know, I mean, that's the first thing. I never forget, it was no, no more of this, you know, travel for your graduation trip and all that stuff. I, I left LSU December 11th. I took my final exam December 11th. At, at, I got home at 1 o'clock, and I was at, at the bench at 1.30. You know? The and bench? The, that's bench, the jeweler's the, the, bench? The jeweler's bench. Because think about it, December 11th. Oh, um, Christmas. Yeah, it's yeah, Christmas. Uh... And, then, um, and then after that, uh, my dad said, all right, listen, you got the degree. You need to take us to the next level. We're going to move to Kenner, and we're going to go full retail. We were what's called a trade jewelry store. We did work for other jewelry stores. We had 70 accounts for other jewelry stores, and they would mail us their stuff, and we would ship it back to them. And, um, and then we had a little small retail, but he wanted me to go full retail. So he said, all right, put it together. Let's get a business plan, you know, and, so from that point on, my brother Rick and I developed the, the retail end of it and grew that. And the rest is history. And where were y'all? We were in, we were in bad time, we were in Kenner on where? Williams Boulevard. Williams Boulevard. And, um, it was, uh, and we stayed pretty much there. We went from 3804 to 4041 to 4103. Ramos Jewelers. Ramos Jewelry Creations. Sure, yeah. everybody knows the name. So thank you. And uh, it, was a, it was a great run. really was. And now you're doing more... Uh You've almost taken a step back, certainly from re, from a retail front to more doing consulting, right? Individually. Like a, a private appointment, right? I have a I built a place in Elmwood where I just do my like a factory. You know, I took all my equipment from Raymond's and brought it there, and uh, I just meet people, discuss what they want. I either get it, I, I you know, order it, or I make it or I repair it. Uh, those are the things I do, and then I just deliver it back to them. What's the biggest diamond you've ever seen? <laughs> I get that. I get asked that a lot. We had a 15 carat emerald cut that they flew in for some big wig in in this area. I'm not going to say the name, but but uh, it was it was amazing. I mean, the thing a 15, 15 carat diamond, carat emerald cut. Yes, came in with an arm guard. How much is something like that worth? Oh, a lot of money, man. A lot of money. It was uh, at the time it was close to two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, it was crazy. That's and a once in a lifetime. Was it, diamond, was it beautiful? Oh, it was E V V S one. Like it's just incredible. Like it's beautiful, you know. So, yeah, that's that's something you don't forget. <laughs> it's easy when you say it was the biggest diamond. I mean, that's that's that was incredible. Have you ever seen the artwork at the Vatican? Yeah, Isn't it, it's just so beautiful, and uh, we we were there, and you know, oftentimes you hear people say. You know, they should sell all the artwork. and But when you go to a mass, 
and the church is beautiful, it impacts you. No, it does. It you does. feel it. That's I what know. I love about our Catholic faith so much, honestly, is that you know there's so many things that enriches the process and and the the experience. Because, you know, people say, oh, y'all pray to statues and y'all do. No, it's, it's, it's such a deep meditative prayer. Mm-hmm. It's, and then, you know, Ignatius always wants you to talk about doing contemplations where you put yourself in a scene. Well, how easy is it when you see a beautiful painted scenery of an event of Christ's life on Mother Mary? You know, it's just, it's, it's incredibly enriching. This morning, we have Mr. Greg Raymond. Thank you so much, David. As it is emotionally difficult when you put yourself in that place, yeah, and I'm holding up a cross, yeah, with no. the crucifixion, absolutely, uh, and because and may we never take that for granted. It, it it's the most powerful symbol in the world. It is. Uh, That's why I always say you cannot separate the cross from the resurrection. So many people say today, oh, well, the resurrection, the gate of the cross, it's just about the resurrected Christ. No, you can't separate the two without without the price, the passion, and and death. Then, there's, then the resurrection doesn't prove that the victory has been attained. He came to pay a debt he didn't know because we owe a debt we cannot pay. So, And he paid it. So that cross represents the most incredible symbol of love that in any, any religion has or any faith because it shows that what he said in the Bible is true. The greatest love you can show for your brother is to lay down your life for him. And he did that. And we weren't deserving of it. But he did it anyway. Nor always still. It's true. But uh, so when we look at the artwork in the church, and then you, all of the beautiful artwork, and then you finally come up to the altar, and you look at that, it brings it all in perspective. It does. It really does. I, I never, I never, I pray every morning to never take that for granted. I pray every single morning. Not that I'm anything special, but I know myself. And I know how easily distracted and how we can take things for granted. Well, what do you, how do you, you wake up and say what prayer? <laughs> that, uh, I have, uh, I'm doing the Bible in a Year right now with Father Mike Schmidt, which I love and I highly recommend And it. what is the program? It's on YouTube. It's Ascension Press. But YouTube, Father Mike Schmidt does it every morning, the Bible in a Year. I'm on day 276, I think, today. Wow. Okay. Uh, what I like about it is the relevance of background, the cultural relevance. When he get, tells you, like the the you know the minor prophets, I'd say, hey guy, or you know, pick one, Amos. But he tells you who their audience is, and he says, okay, this is when Israel was split, Judah and Israel. You know, Judah was in Jerusalem, and Israel was north, and they had two kings, and it was a mess. It was a mess. And these are the prophets that were trying to get him to unite again. Right. But when he when you do this, I, I do that in the morning to answer your question. You, you really the, starting the day off with the word of God is the most, you know, enriching, empowering, you know, fulfilling. Um, it is it is just such joy and love and appreciation for what others went through to for us to walk in these Catholic shoes, so to speak. And then I have a binder that I open up in every morning. It takes me it takes me about an hour and fifteen minutes every morning, including my rosary, uh, to do my prayers. So when you say which prayer do you say, I say a lot. I say a lot of different prayers to cover my family. I believe in consecration to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and the Chaste Heart of Saint Joseph every day. I will not leave the house without saying a rosary, without consecrating my family, and then without doing that prayer. Eternal Father, I offer you all the wounds of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and atonement for our sins and for those of the whole world. And I say it, it's, it's, an, it's a prayer that I say for the wounds of Christ every single day so that I stay, which we just talked about, so that I stay in appreciation of what he did and what he paid for us to have eternal life, excuse me, eternal life with him. So I just believe in the power of prayer. I believe in that, you know, not that I'm so holy, not that I'm so wonderful. I just know Greg Raymond without it. I've been both sides of that road, and I don't want to go on that side anymore. You don't want to go back to the crazy want, horse and tiger land. Exactly. I don't want to go back <laughs> Nickel to beer night. White Horse and Fred's and Faps. You know, no, it's just, it's just um, Nickel snow- Beer. Remember that? I had a snowball stand back in Tigerland back in those days. That's awesome. DW's old time snowball. Look at you, man. <laughs> entrepreneur, man. I love it. Yeah. It was funny. Uh, matter of fact, we had a conversation with that just the other day. Uh, George Bauer, who's married to Lauren Brennan, uh, 
that was the first time I met him and we're doing something. I said, George, you remember the first time we met? He said, no. I said, refreshed his memory. I couldn't remember what he ordered, but uh, you know, I do remember meeting him way back <laughs> That's when. pretty powerful. Wow, it's so exciting to hear you talk about uh, uh, this prayer life of yours and your whole life. You mentioned listening to someone on YouTube. Can you say that again? Father Mike Schmitz. He is a, uh, a priest. Matter of fact, I'm getting ready. To, my wife and I booked a trip with him next May to the Holy Land with him and Jeff Cavins with EWTN. But Father Mike Schmitz, you can find him on YouTube. And uh, it's called The Bible in a Year. If you just Google Bible in a Year with Father Mike, just so you don't have to worry about his last name, it'll come up on YouTube. Um, he's, he's gifted. When I say he's gifted, I mean he is he's very insightful. He's got a, a great uh, background for Scripture. So he really shares a lot of beautiful things with you uh, to, and to enrich your experience. When are you going to Jerusalem? May 24th of next year. By the grace of God, I can't wait, man. I've been spent on a bucket list for a while. We were trying to go in 2020, but you know what happened there with COVID. So uh, we had to book it again. And so we're going with uh, my cousin and his wife, and uh, we're going to go with with them to uh, – and it's, it's a pretty intense itinerary. I mean, I, I love that because he's going to cover a lot of territory in a short period of time. You know, it sounds like great prep to be going through that whole process of of the history of oh, the no land. Question. No question, and then go exactly, and then see in it what awesome. which you read about. You know, uh, that's that's got to be my next big trip uh, to go to the Holy Land. Yeah, that would be my first one was Italy. I wanted to go. I wanted. We went in 2019, and uh, and that was incredible, wasn't it? It was incredible. Never had a bad meal. It was like, no. you know. <laughs> Eat in a train station, <laughs> no, and it's I'm the best tortellini you. it's, you've ever it's, had. It's, it's incredible. It was a beautiful experience. Again, this is David Anderson, host of Cross Training on Catholic Community Media. Um, we have Albert DuPont Jr. at the switches and the illustrious voice of, of Jeff Blackwell making us all sound good back at Main Station. And we want to thank David Dawson. Uh, who runs this station for allowing us to get on and spread the word from people like Mr. Greg Raymond, a local New Orleans football hero, uh, all the way from Rummel. What playground did you play in? Bright. Johnny Bright. Johnny Bright, baby. Uh, we just had, uh, uh, who was Deacon Rich? Um, Eason. Eason on. Yes. And I, uh, yeah, we were together. A couple times I said, uh, you know, he was an all-star player back in Johnny Bright. He was a stud. And at Dallas Al. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, this is the part of the conversation where we shift gears a little bit and talk about food. <laughs> no problem. And, and I understand uh, your mother was a great cook. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I, I made old, my, one of my grandma's old recipes the other night. Uh, great grandma. A pineade veal, but I used the chicken. Mm -hmm. That's unbelievable. With some fettuccine. Yes. They, they ate it up. Like like starving dogs. Yeah, uh, that's the good. best. That is the best. I made a lot. I took a fillet knife and cut that chicken real thin. So it went, you know, one breast went oh, yeah, you can a long it. way. Exactly. Enough where we had leftovers. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. a rare thing. But um, you tell me that your, your beef stew. That, that, it's so that surprises me so Slow much cook. when you said the beef stew. Yeah, yeah. What kind of tip do you use? Beef tips, sirloin tip, sirloin tip, and cut it into chunks. Get them from any special place? No, it's whoever they have a good deal. You know how I am. I mean, just yeah, I just get it and I chop it up, and then uh, just, just my mother always said it's all about slow and patient. You know, and, you sear them, um, sear it, and then um, and then we you know you cook with the basic Trinity and all that stuff and get it all sauced up and then once you get the gravy going and and you get the all the vegetables you want to put in it and you just slow slow cook it with some bay leaf as my mama said i yeah. would have to have two bay leaves <laughs> so, and, so, you, and you got to count them before you put them in yeah you got to count so you know how many to pull out exactly but but no i mean it's just and and you know my mother every she didn't know how to like we never had on sundays that was the day she threw down you know it was uh you know, roast and mashed potatoes, and you know, just, it was just that's my day to cook. Yeah, too. you see, I, I love. I cooked bell peppers this and, weekend. Yeah, and and um, 
White beans, bell But breakfast. I mean, my mother, you know, when I was growing up, you know, people say, oh, I had cereal, I had a Pop-Tart. What? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that is. I mean, my mother had grits, eggs, any way you wanted, you know, bacon, homemade drop biscuits, biscuits uh, ha- you know, hash browns she'd make herself. She'd make pancakes, you know, whatever. It was like a full-blown breakfast every day. I cook know? like that. Yeah, that's a good. I do the cooking at the family. That's Uh, awesome. uh, That's awesome. To me, there's there's something very spiritual about that. If you really think about it, it's something very spiritual about that. You know, every time Jesus would come with somebody, say, you know, I'll have dinner with you. You know, he dined with they said sinners and tax collectors and whatnot. You know, Um, he knocked on the door. So I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, I will come in and dine with you. You know, I think that was a big part of intimacy. I think it's a big part of family. If you think about having a family dinner and gathering around that table, that's, there's an exchange. There's getting to know one another, each other's needs. What do we need to pray for? What do we need to help you get through? What do we need to encourage you? What do we need to praise you for? You know, And I think that's a lost, it's getting lost in a lot. So to hear you say you do a lot of cooking, that's beautiful. It's a nice bonding of the family. We eat at the table every night. I think that's... that's most every night. That's, Some, I think that's fantastic, though. But most... I'd say four nights out of the week we're eating it. Five nights out And you of the did day. this as a child, right? Yeah. You see, isn't that some of the best memories when you think back of the, the, the conversations you used to have as a family? That To me, that's just irreplaceable. It's it's priceless. It is. We're, and we're very fortunate to be able to do it. And to continue that tradition. Yeah, a lot of God families bless you for doing it. are working different schedules. And mm-hmm. uh, it's very difficult for a lot of people just yeah, to make no, it no. through today. It, you, it takes an effort. You have um, to make it a priority. You really do. It's so easy to, to just do the fast food thing and just, boom, go your separate ways. You know? And my niece is living with us. She's at Tulane Law. My wife's at Loyola Law. That's amazing. So it, it's fun. We have a, you know. That's awesome. We fill out the table fantastic. now. So there you were, Rummel, LSU, finding your way through life, keeping God close your whole life. You never really had a point in your life where you were strayed. You weren't going to church. Is that right? No, I never stopped going to church. Never stopped going to church. Didn't just, <laughs> I think, you got to remember, so, so the, the, the motivation back when I was younger was out of fear. It wasn't out of love. That's where the change came is when you encounter God in a way that, like I'll tell you my, if, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you this quick story. So in 1993, I read a book called The Final Hour that a customer gave me months and months before I read it. And I got sick this weekend, which I never hardly ever got sick. And I got sick, it was July 3rd, i never forget it, 1993, and I was 33 years old. I always remember that date because that's how old Christ was when he finished his mission, right? And uh, Michael Brown, was the author of this book, and it, it was an incredible book called The Final Hour. And and so I, I'm not a big TV guy, and this particular, in the summertime, there's not much on TV and 4th of July weekend. So I, I turn the TV off. I'm kind of aggravated because I can't move because I got an intestinal bug and I, I'm really sick. And I look to my left and I see this book, so I decide to read it. I didn't even know what the hour of mercy was back then, but I started at 3 o'clock, and I did not finish till 3 o'clock in the morning. Then we put it down, read it for 12 hours straight with the little reading light, you know, when my wife slept. And when I, fi- I always say when I finished that book, I was not the same man. I was not the same man. I got the two by four. I, was, I wanted to go next level. And I went on a reading frenzy. I went on a reading frenzy like you can't imagine. I wanted to know everything I could about the faith, about the Eucharist, about Mother Mary, about the lives of the saints. And I just, I was like a dry sponge to water. And I really started to get, that's how I started to meet Father Joe, Father Joe Kraft was in the seminary when I went to Saint, when I was at Saint Clement of Rome. I was director of family ministry, and so he and I did a lot of work together, p- creating opportunities and, and functions for families to come to church with their children and to be ministered to without them really realizing they were being ministered to through fun activities, right? And so, uh, you know, all of a sudden, uh, I had this. My brother, my brother was going through a very difficult uh, separation. And in our family, you don't you don't get divorced. You work it out. You don't you don't get divorced. That's how it was. But it was a difficult situation. So I was told by a customer he couldn't pick up his jewelry that Thursday because he was going to be at Manresa. And he said, "But I could pick it up next Tuesday." And I said, "Hey, what's going on with that Manresa?" I said, "Isn't it that place where men can go, but you can't talk?" That's all I knew. And I said, "My brother is going through a very difficult separation. He needs to talk to a priest." He goes. Write your phone. This is before cell phones. Write your number down. 
So he calls me that night and he says, listen, I got good news. I got your brother in, but with a stipulation, he said, you got to go with him. <laughs> I said, no, 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 I'm That's good. Great. I said, I'm good, That's Mr. Great. Baudry. I said, my marriage is solid. You know, I'm good. <laughs> and so he goes, I, I suggest you ask your wife. And so I held the phone and you know how you want to tell your wife to say no by doing this, you know? And I said, baby, you don't want to be alone. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. You know, I said, Don's in, but I got to go with him. But you don't want to be alone, huh, baby? You know, like that. And she just stared at me for a second. She said, I think you should be with your brother. <laughs> so that's how that started. Well, that. That was a perfect answer. Oh. Her, her response exactly. was, she's thinking, she might be thinking, I'll be home alone all this time and just relax, do what I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Four days. Please, please go. You know? So. Or, or she could have said, you need it. No. She went, you should be with your brother. Yeah. That's a no, beautiful very, very answer. Good, very good answer. So I did, and it changed my life again, uh, opening me up to the silence of prayer with God. And then they asked me to be a captain after the first year. So I'm thinking, this is a Jesuit cult, you know? And as long as they don't know that I went to Rumble, I'm safe. So they asked me to be a captain. I said, I got to come clean. So I tell them, I said, listen. I'm a Christian brother. I said, I just want to let you know, you know, I can't be a captain. I said, because I went to Rommel. And, uh, and so they, they said, we don't care. So I became a captain. And then they asked me to do the work on the pin because they knew I was a jeweler to redesign the pin. No, this is a different one. And um, so I redesigned the pin. And after that, they asked me to, do, to be on the board of directors. And I said, surely this is the inner sanctum of the Jesuit community. There's no way to letting a Rommel boy in that, right? But they said, come on, man. We don't care about that. We like your business. And, you know, you're a good man, blah, blah, blah. Okay, thank you. So when I finished that, I finished my eight-year term, finished out as a president. And then they said, Father Tony Rauschube gives me my little gavel with the pat on the back. You know how they do. And, and he says, listen, don't leave. We want, I want to ask you something important before you leave. I said, okay. And you got to remember something. Father Tony's the kind of guy. It's like, uh, yeah, he's alive. You know, you got to take his pulse. And very laid back. He says, uh, he says listen, he says, uh, we keep praying as a community of Jesuits, and your name keeps coming up. I said, oh, really? For what? And, he, and he's, he was going around the whole circle without going right to the heart of it, right? And he kept saying, you know, there's a shortage of priests. I said, yeah, I get that, but how can I help you? So finally I go, look, do you need a piece of jewelry for a fundraiser? I'll give it to you, you know? <laughs> I said, let's just go right to the bullet, right, you know, David? So anyway, he says, no, we, we, we keep praying. I said, I understand it, but for how, how can I help you? He says, we want you to consider being a retreat master. I said, excuse me? Did you say retreat master? He said, yeah. I said, Father, you've lost your mind. I said, I'm just Greg Raymond, Joe Schmo in a pew, trying to make my way. You want me to be in charge of 112 men spiritual formation for three or four days? I said, you've lost your mind. I said, I got nothing. And I walked off, like indignant, you know, like they would ask me. The next year, we keep praying. You better check your connection, brother, because it's not me. And I'd walk off. Third year, no. Fourth year, he says, Greg, you know what I'm asking? I said, I'll do respectful. I've been consistent for three years, and I'm not going to change now. He goes, wait, I want you to consider doing a 19th annotated retreat. I said, as soon as you tell me what that is, I'll tell you if I do it. He says, it's about, it's about an hour a day for nine months, but if you tell me no at the end of nine months that you're not going to do the retreat, Master, I'll never ask you again. I said, I'll do it, just for that reason. And then after about three or four weeks of what we do, in three days or four days at Manresa, I did for nine months. Brother, there was no way I could say no because you're so indebted. You realize all the blessings and, and, and gifts God has given you. You have to give back. So I told him I would do it. I told him he had to let me talk about the Blessed Mother. He had told me he had to let me talk about the Eucharist. And, uh, and then I started doing it. But as I'm giving these talks, Rich Eason meets with me and he says, uh, Listen, man, I have a feeling, you know, you, you're struggling a little bit with your call. I said, yeah. He goes, look, I want to tell you a quote, and I don't want you to forget it. He said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And David, as soon as he said it, man, I felt a thousand pounds come off my shoulders. Like, just immediately released. And he's right. It's not a, I, he says, you know. Tell us again. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. And basically, what I was doing, David, didn't realize it and didn't mean it. I was operating from a, from a pr perspective of pride and ego because of being an athlete. I want to do this good. I, if I don't think I can do it good, then I don't want to do it. You see what I'm saying? Yes. It was a performance basis where God's saying, trust me, and you say yes, and I'll give you everything you need to fulfill that yes. So just chill. All you got to do is look at the Blessed Mother. Look what she did at 15 years old, what she said yes to. Think about that. She says yes, 
And it opens herself up to public ridicule, knowing that she's in a small town. Everybody knows everybody's business. When she comes back from visiting her cousin Elizabeth, what happens? She's obviously showing, and she's ridiculed. But she knew this when she said yes. And she said, it's worth it. God will give me what I need to fulfill this yes. And what a yes she fulfilled. Her yes. Thank God. Yes. But I say her yes is the foundation that our salvation was built on. Without her yes, we got nothing. So, you know, the thing that I wanted to say to your listeners is don't ever let the knucklehead downstairs, by the way, that's what I call the, de- the devil, the knucklehead downstairs tell you you're not good enough. What are you, you crazy? You think you can do this? No, you can't. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. So he, he, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, right? So that's what he wants to, you have this defeatist attitude where you can't make a difference. You know, I always tell people, man, they say, man, this world's so crazy. You know, it's, it's just, I think Jesus Christ himself is going to have to come down and change this world. I said, well, first of all, I don't mean to dis- dis- you know, disagree with you, but he's already here. He's already here. Right. He's in you and he's in me, I said. And I said, but we limit what he can do here. So, you know, you look at the Bible stories he has, he's done some crazy, impossible things. You look at Gideon in Judges chapter 7 where he says, I want you to take your men from 32,000 and cut it down. Those who are scared, tell them to go home. So 10,000 leave. Here's 22. And then he takes, you know, there's a few more. He cuts down to where it's almost like 10,000. And he says, take him to the brook. I want it to be 300. He goes, 300? He said, yeah, I want them to know that it was me that fought this war. I don't want them to think they did it. And then they go to the brook. He says, how do I do it? He goes, tell them to drink water. Those who drink like gentlemen, keep bringing the water up to their mouth. Those who lap it up like dogs sent home. So he ended up having 300, divided them into three groups of 100 each. Listen to these incredible weapons, David. A jar, a torch in a jar, and a shafar, a horn. That sounds like some really rough weapons, huh? And he tells them, on my command, you blow those horns. And they did. And he breaks the jar, they light the torches, and they blow the horns. And they screamed, a sword for God and a sword for Gideon. And the two big armies across the river freak out. God put a spirit of confusion. They fought amongst themselves, and they ran. And they literally walked across and took the land without a, not one, one injury, one weapon being well shielded, nothing. No, no death. So what I'm saying is the same God that existed in Judges existed here. You must have learned that in the uh, in the Bible in a year story. No, <laughs> I didn't. I'm sorry to say, but, but I, I did a study on that for one of my retreats. I was doing a study one time against the impossible things that God has taken us through, trying to build stories. And there's a bunch of them. There's Jehoshaphat. I can go on. Maccabees. Maccabees. I want to get my. I just got a brand new truck. I want to get J Mac for a license plate for Judas Maccabeus. I think he's one of the most incredible men of the Old Testament with, with valor, the, the warrior spirit. You know. Uh, there's so many stories I can tell you that he, he did some impossible things. And it's, it's, it's nothing for him. He created all this. It's the knucklehead downstairs that make us believe that we can't do anything about it. And then people say, what can I do? I'm just a little person. I always say, remember the word home, H-O-M-E. You want to get yourself home and your, and your loved ones home with you to heaven? Humbly offer mercy every day. Amen. Love that. begets love. So if you humbly offer mercy every day, you can change the complexion of that exchange of love and grace. In that moment, you encounter somebody and thereby be an ambassador of Christ's light and thereby be a missionary of his mercy. And then that person is touched by that and pays it forward. Preach, preacher. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm sorry. I get oh, no, it's up beautiful. Kind of I'm stuff, enjoying but... <laughs> it. I'm enjoying it. I know my sister uh, is enjoying it as well. Sue Bush, she gives me good critique after after each show. Oh, God uh, bless she's gonna give We me always good, need one. We always need a good sister a good like that. They'll keep us grounded. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, golly, it's been great having you on this show. Uh it way more than I anticipated. I, I had some, I uh, did a little background on you, and I was expecting a whole, whole lot. But you, Thank you, you have exceeded my expectation. Uh, well, Chris, I feel the same way about you, my brother. Chris You're Mann. a great man. Chris Mann. Chris Mann. <laughs> Chris Mann. Uh, someone who was telling me, uh, oh, Joe Spitale was telling me about uh, he had you know, send over uh, a bio that he had gotten an award. I said, wow, you're going to upgrade the show quite a bit. We haven't had many award recipients come on the show. Uh, I, I I didn't know you were uh, the captain of all these teams. And, and the I did know you were at Manresa. 
uh, I've heard a friend of a friend of a friend uh, had uh, been in one of your sessions uh, at Manresa and really came away. There's this Rummel guy uh, <laughs> who played football, and he played at LSU, and he was really, really good. And Thank he, you so know, much. He wasn't expecting that you were going to uh, deliver the way you did up at Manresa. Uh, I, I go by the grace of God. Thank God. I go to St. Joseph Abbey, where it's a solo retreat and unscheduled, and I just write and I contemplate, and I just love it. That's it took a, me a little while mm-hmm. to know that it was a silent retreat. It took me three people to recognize when they weren't speaking back to me that they weren't just being aloof; they were following the rules of of, of a silent uh, <laughs> monastery. Yes. And you know, they smiled pleasantly, so yeah. I didn't take it personally. Like, you know, yeah. Why is this guy responding to me? Uh, I did get to talk to the to the priest who monitored the phones at night. There's someone who monitors the front at, at the front office. I think to like twelve o'clock, and so and they can talk in that room. And this fellow didn't want to let me go. Wow. Uh, it was the first time he had an opportunity. Yeah. He had a lot to, to say. Talk. He had a lot to say. <laughs> and at that point, I had you know, realized it was a silent retreat. I didn't want to talk anymore. So, But I had to stay in there and talk to the fella. Uh, it was it was kind of fun. And then you see him the next couple of days, and you just give the, the nod of the head. Yeah. You know, I know he really appreciated Like if the phone rang, he was just hoping the phone would ring you know, just to talk to somebody. Yeah. He was probably knew to get that deal yeah you don't get that job if you're a more senior person you're right how often do you go to manresa uh my group goes once a year i get ready to go in a couple weeks october we group 42 so whatever the week number of the year it is group 42 means it's the week 42nd week so i'll go um the thursday i think it's like the 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, something like that this year. 18th, 19th, 20th. But it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in a couple weeks. I'll well, we'll there. all pray that you have a good retreat. Thank and, you, and brother. And the folks with you there get the benefit of everything that's offered. I appreciate that. Uh, this is a point in the show where we uh, say goodbye. It's been the most pleasure having you. And it's been an honor. I Thank hope you. Uh, my sister Sue and everyone else that listens uh, really got to know Greg Raymond as a man of faith. Thank you. Not just a man of success, and every, whether it's diamonds and jewelry or football or raising a good family, uh, your, your spiritual side really uh, is infectious. Thank you, and sir. I thank you. I appreciate it. Sir, if you'll God bless you. in the Hail Mary. Absolutely. Uh, and then we'll say goodbye. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Cross Training with David Anderson is a production of Catholic Community Media.